When I decided to start Tiny Bee, I was a photographer and there was something missing there. And when I had the idea of starting Tiny Bee and sharing Brigadeiros with people I didn't know, I had this like feeling like I really want to share my passion. Greetings, innovators, and welcome to Back of the Napkin, where we explore big journeys in the world of small business with the personalities who make it happen. And it's brought to you by Sure Payroll, where small business is their business. I'm Dusty Weiss, a small business owner from the Midwest. And I'm Karen Stoichoff from the Sure Payroll team. Dusty, I'm a born and bred Michigander, and my home state is known for a number of delectable delights. Stroh's Beer, Buddy's Pizza, Verner's, the only real ginger ale I might add, Morley's Chocolate, the Detroit Coney, and the ever-amazing Saunders Bumpy Tea Cake. From a cultural standpoint, Michigan delivered us the auto industry, Motown, the nation's first concrete highway, and you know those little welcome centers when you cross the state border? You can thank the Mitt for those. What about your home state of Wisconsin? I've learned a lot about Michigan today, but I would advise you to be careful here, Karen, because I have been known to sing Wisconsin's praises until the cows come home, so to speak. In addition to having hands down the greatest cheese and dairy products in the world, we bring to the table New Glarus Beer, Usinger's Bratwurst, Racine Kringle, and of course the all-important Culver's Butterburger. And let's not forget that Wisconsin's chief import is football world championships. Our Green Bay Packers have brought home 13 of those. Politically, Wisconsin is also the birthplace of both the Republican Party and the modern progressive movement, so wrap your head around that dichotomy if you can. (laughs) Of course, both our beloved Midwestern states offer so much more, but it's safe to say neither bring us the tropical beaches, Bossa Nova, Pele, Carnival, or Brigadeiros. (laughs) Look. Lake Michigan is beautiful in the summer, but nobody's going to mistake it for the South Atlantic once they get their toes in it. So let's change gears today with a family-run business that's making waves in California by serving up Brazilian-inspired sweet treats. But before we dive into today's episode, if you appreciate hearing stories from small business owners across the country, please take a moment to share your favorite Back of the Napkin episodes on social media and subscribe to Back of the Napkin wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes drop every couple of weeks, so hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Dusty, I absolutely love chocolate. And surprisingly, I just tasted my first Brigadero a few days ago. A brigadeiro is a traditional Brazilian treat, sort of like fudge, kind of like ganache, maybe like a truffle or bonbon, but unique on its own. You can scoop it from the jar with your fingers, or if you must, a spoon, or shape it into a ball and roll it into a variety of toppings. You know, Karen, I've never tasted a brigadeiro, but I understand that the general thinking is that the confection was created by a chocolate artisan from Rio de Janeiro to promote a political candidate. And it's now considered a must-have treat for a variety of festive events. Well, our guests today have taken that cultural and gastronomic phenomenon and turned it into a thriving chocolate shop in California and an order-by-mail DIY team-building exercise. I'm ready to learn more. Renata and Andre Stoika from Tiny Bee Chocolate in San Francisco, welcome to Back of the Napkin. Thanks, Karen. Hi. Renata, I'm a sucker for romance, absolute sucker. And I was hooked the moment I read on your website that at its heart, your business is about your love story with Andre and that you started Tiny Bee Chocolate in your home kitchen as a way to share your love for each other and for Brigadeiros. 
That's right. You know, you were a former nurse turned photographer and Andre was a tech entrepreneur. Where did you find the courage to start a small business offering a confection that most people in the U.S. have never tasted? So I grew up in a family where we were making chocolate for a living. My mom got divorced from my dad when I was three years old and she had to find a way to support the family. And she was very young at the time in Brazil in a small town. And the way she found to support the family was by making chocolate. And of course, we were kids and we loved chocolate. And I helped my mom making chocolate for over 10 years in Brazil. And there started my love for chocolate and also Brigadero. Andre, you left behind your small business to support Renata's dream, yet you really weren't a fan of the Brigadero in the beginning. Why did you take the leap? <laughs> well, there's, there's a funny story about that, actually. I've been in the San Francisco Bay Area for a while, and was, we met in the Bay Area when she was here on uh, a sabbatical. And about a year after meeting, I took a break from my last company and went down to Brazil to be with Renata. And I figured three months, learn a little bit about the culture, maybe pick up a little bit of Portuguese. It was clearly a serious relationship, but we didn't quite know where it was going. About two weeks being there, I, I didn't speak a word of Portuguese, of course. She was out. She was actually a realtor at the time, oddly enough, but long story. And um, I figured I'd clean the kitchen. So I did some of the dishes and, you know, trying to be a good guy, right? She comes home later in the afternoon and I hear this like scream and gasp of horror coming from the kitchen. She's like, where's the Brigadero? I'm like, I had no idea what you just said. What What are you talking about? It's like the Brigadero was here. I'm like, uh, what do you mean? It was in the pot. The pot that had chocolate. Where's the chocolate? Like there was no chocolate in the pot. There was actually. Turns out she had been thinking the entire day that she was going to come home and have that last spoonful of chocolate straight from the pot. And that's when I learned that Brigadero is very, very important to a Brazilian woman and her heart. You never, ever do that mistake again. And so I got introduced to Brigadero at that point, but it was made to Brazilian taste, of course. And I realized how popular it was by attending weddings and birthdays and it was always there. So when we got back to the States about two and a half years later, I was planning on starting my next software company because that was what I was used to. And then she thought, well, why don't I start a chocolate company? And I thought, wow, that sounds so much more fun than software. <laughs> and that's how I got roped in. Well, I'll be darned. That's right. And so you're taking a Brazilian delicacy and turning it into something that Americans can wrap their head around. What's your business model then? Who are your customers and how do they wind up interacting with your brand? So when we started Tiny Bee, I had a vision and Andre had a different vision. I just wanted to have a store or sell in weddings and parties. Brigadero is a very, you can have Brigadero in every single party you go in Brazil. And that's exactly what I wanted to do here. But it turned out that it wasn't that easy because we had to introduce the product and convince people to buy our chocolate instead of all the other chocolates in the market. So Andre had this idea of he always wanted to go after business because that was his expertise. And then 
I had never been an entrepreneur before, so I trusted him and I said, okay, let's go. Let's do whatever you think it's better right now for the company. So it sounds like you brought the expertise in making the chocolates and Andre brought the expertise in the business world. And you put those together and came up with this concept for creating a DIY experience that people could <laughs> order away. Tell me more about that, Andre. Yeah, it wasn't so straightforward, really. The idea was thrust upon us, as uh, somebody might say. We started exactly like Renata mentioned. It was initially as gifts, and we were offering gifts to various small businesses as presents for referrals to their clients. And that was still challenging. And then we, by chance, one of our clients, I sent out an email, and one of our clients said, you know, I'm actually an executive assistant at a large company here, and we're looking for a fun activity for a small meeting. Can you do this as a small class? And at that point, we were like, yeah, why not? We'll simplify it and offer it at this meeting. And they really liked it, and they wanted it to be an event that they could offer it to their employees. And so we started to offer it to employees, and we switched away from the idea of selling truffles as gift boxes and more into this interactive experiential thing. But at that point, it was, you know, during normal times before the pandemic, and it was all in person. We would literally pack up a bunch of chocolate and drive down to about 45 minutes away, set up shop at LinkedIn or Google or whatnot, and people would have a great time. And then pandemic struck and the world came to an end. At least our business did because everybody literally within a week, I'll never forget like getting one call after another from clients who's like, sorry, events off. And then that was it. It was dead quiet, like dead quiet. And of course, that's not what you want to hear in a business. So we sat, we had to like take a deep breath. And then we said, well, we can package this up in a box and mail it. And that's how the DIY kits came into existence. Because before too long, we all realized how easy it was to feel cooped up during the pandemic and how much we really missed interaction with other people and how much we really missed doing fun things that weren't just staring at a Zoom call. And so you were able to find some success selling these kits that people could use to create this virtual experience where everybody gets together and, and makes their own brigadeiros. Renata, why do you think that that vibed with people so much? So when you put people together and you ask them to create things and put their hands on chocolate, that becomes a party because... That's exactly what we do in Brazil. Every time we have a party, at least like when I was a child, we didn't go to the store to buy a cake or sweets for the party. We made it ourselves. So we would sit around the table and roll brigadeiros for the party. And that was the best part of the party, preparing the party and eating chocolate before. So I feel like it's exactly what happens when we bring chocolate to a company and they can roll their own chocolate or when they receive the box of chocolate and they open the box and they open the jars and they can mix and match flavors and be creative, bring people, the family together to do it and, and to try it. So it brings back childhood memories. And I think that's very like... It's a way, a good way to forget about work and problems and just have like a happy moment around chocolate. 
Renata, the Tiny Bee Chocolate team building experience differs from others in the category because there's no fancy corporate messaging, no hidden agenda to debrief, nothing that's masterfully facilitated to elicit responses from participants. You simply connect people over chocolate and conversation. How did you decide to structure the experience that way? Because we saw the need in the market and because our chocolate is so versatile and so fun to play with that we thought it was going to be a good experience for people. It's exactly how we do in Brazil. We have people on the table just rolling chocolate for eat in a Sunday afternoon or for party. So bringing the chocolate for people in their companies for them to have a break and just like get messy with chocolate. It was a great fit for people that were craving for something different to do and create good memories around chocolate and among their coworkers. And now that we ship our chocolate to their homes, they can share the experience with families. And it's even better because that's exactly how I did when I, I was a child. So I can see this culture experience spreading now among our customers. And it's a way of bonding and creating good memories and disconnect from the day-to-day -day work, have like a good pause on the day and enjoy some good chocolate. Just to follow up on what Renata was saying. So when we receive a kit and you're a part of this event, you open up the box, there's, depending on the size you get uh, jars of chocolate and Brigadero chocolate that have been made. And then five or eight different toppings. You open up a jar, you spoon out a little bit of chocolate, you roll it into a small ball, you dip it into a topping. And then one of the event lead is really trying to get people to interact and get creative and get fun. It's not really about being formal and tasting. It's about, hey, you know, reach into your pantry, try combining dark chocolate brigadero with olive oil or with sea salt or crush up some of your favorite breakfast cereal and roll around some chocolate in it. How does that go? Chocolate pairs with so many different things. People don't realize it. It's a lot of fun very informal. I mean, people even put spicy chili sauce or cayenne pepper, and then they, they start to like, oh my God, you know, try it this way, try it that way. And then they're suddenly they're sharing their favorite discovery with everybody else on the call. And it's no longer about work or what's the next deadline. It's about like, hey, did you try this crazy combination? And that's really what we're trying to get at. That sort of camaraderie, that informality and fun. I have to say I had a uh, tiny bee kit chocolate experience delivered to the home and it was after a particularly long day and I opened it right away, washed my hands and started making my brigadeiros. And so it was a blast. And even though it was just me and my two huskies, it was still so much fun. <sighs> My problem is I have treacherously hot hands, which makes me really oh. tough for chocolate and really tough for any sort of flaky butter pastry because it's like my superpower is to melt things in my hands. So I would hold on to ice for a little bit to cool my hands down before I would roll my brigadeiros. But it was really a lot of fun. You know, Karen, making brigadeiros for yourself and two huskies when dogs can't have chocolate. <laughs> I, I get the sense I know what happened to most of the brigadeiros in this scenario. 
Well, the tougher thing with the the huskies, I'm not going to lie, is they have this lofty, floaty hair. And so when you're rolling chocolate, that oh, was no. a little bit tough. But <laughs> trying to keep my toppings sans husky fur was tough, but we managed it. So Andre and Karen, I guess, as the only person here who neither grew up eating brigadeiros nor have I tried them yet in my life, what differentiates these from a typical piece of chocolate that I might find at the chocolate store down the road, Andre? So it's made with condensed milk, and that gives it a very creamy texture, and it's soft. So it's like a, a chocolate truffle in that it doesn't have a hard shell on the outside. So when you pick it up, you have to be careful not to squish it completely. And so there's this interesting texture. It, it looks nice and perfectly round with all the different kinds of toppings. And there's all sorts of different flavors that can be combined. So it's not just chocolate. I mean, there's coconut and there's passion fruit. And so there's a really wide variety and they kind of all look the same and it's all very rich and creamy, but without being kind of overwhelming. So the dark chocolate has like a dark chocolate intensity without that bitterness. Also, what I see when you make ganache, you mix two ingredients, you melt chocolate and you add cream and you mix it and you have your ganache. With Brigadero, it's more like a process where you have to cook the chocolate with condensed milk and stir until it's like in the right consistency. And you have to wait to be ready to cool it down and then start eating. It's like a ceremony and like, I can't wait for this to be ready. And to your point with your hot hands, Karen, in Brazil, we can't wait for the brigadeiro to cool down. Most of the time we make the chocolate and we eat with a spoon because we just can't wait. So it's much easier. You just put the chocolate on the spoon, touch it in a whatever topping sprinkle you have and just eat it with a spoon. So officially a brigadeiro only has three or four ingredients, but the biggest ingredient it sounds like you're describing is the love that goes into actually preparing it and the patience. And as a small business owner, you put all of that into each of those little jars that come across. You didn't say it, but that's what I hear when you talk about it. Is that how you feel when you're making each batch? That's exactly right. When I decided to start Tiny Bee, I was a photographer and there was something missing there. I was trying to start a career as a photographer. And when I had the idea of starting Tiny Bee and sharing brigadeiros with people I didn't know, I had this like feeling, you know, in my stomach, like I really want to share my passion with others. I still have this feeling inside of me. Like I love to see people trying a brigadeiro for the first time and, and watch their reaction because I do care about every single batch we do and it's with care and love. I'm always thinking about the next flavor and how I can make it better and trying to improve all the processes on the making and how to make the brigadeiro and how to make the experience even greater for the people that are trying for the first time. You know, Renata, I'm starting to get a feeling inside of me, and I think it's hunger from listening to you <laughs> describe this delicious confection. And I'm going to have to scare one of these up to try it real soon. But maybe in the meantime, I'm going to have to scare up a snack. However, we're going to continue this conversation with Renata and Andre Stoika from Tiny Bee Chocolate in San Francisco in just a minute. But first, let's check in with Holly Wade, Executive Director of the National Federation of Independent Business with the Sure Payroll Main Street Minute. Holly, thanks for joining us again. 
When you spend a lot of time around small business owners, you're going to hear a lot about how the government policies are impacting business for better or for worse. But it's important to remember that we're not just bystanders in that process. Exactly. The voice of small business is powerful and owners' concerns as a small business owner are important. The most direct way to voice your concerns on issues that impact you, whether it's taxes, regulations, finance, for example, or legislative efforts that will impact your business, both harmful and, as you said, beneficial, it is important to contact your member of Congress and senators and let them know what concerns you. Contacting your member of Congress and senators about issues impacting your business makes a difference. The more they hear directly from owners, the more they will understand the issues that are important and how it will impact their district and their state. You can quickly find your elected officials' contact information and send them a message of your concerns at NFIB.com backslash advocacy and select Take Action. Operating your business should be your main priority, not filling out more government-required paperwork or figuring out how to absorb government cost increases. And hearing your story and your concerns as a small business owner works in shaping how lawmakers think and act on policies that are important to you. We have a voice, and it's important to use it. And the biggest mistake that you can make is thinking that nobody cares about what you think. You know, Holly, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I actually reached out to my state representative middle of last year. I was surprised not only by how quickly I got a call back, but the fact that she set aside 45 minutes to talk to me, learn about my business, learn what made it tick, and learn what her office could do to make it successful. So I would urge all small business owners to take the step of contacting their local elected officials and their national elected officials. That's Holly Wade, Executive Director of the National Federation of Independent Business with the Sure Payroll Main Street Minute. This is Sure Payroll's Back of the Napkin podcast, where entrepreneurs share the stories of their big journeys in small business. I'm Karen Stoichoff. And I'm Dusty Weiss, and we're talking with Renata and Andre Stoika from Tiny Bee Chocolates in San Francisco. And we already talked a little bit about how you guys were able to pivot and thrive during the pandemic. And by the end of 2020, your business had adapted and then grown tenfold, filling more than 31,000 orders across 52 countries and adding 10 employees to your team. An impressive to say the least, but Renata Brigaderos are made from just three or four ingredients. How are you able to differentiate one type of Brigaderos from the next? And what makes Tiny Bee Chocolate so unique? So Brigaderos are made with three ingredients, but we can add flavors to it. It's fun because you can play with flavors and create amazing, surprisingly good, like different kind of truffles. So... We have about 23 different flavors in our menu. And for every season, we have a different flavors. So for summer and spring, we select a few flavors. And then for fall and winter, we have different flavors. And we can create different flavors for the holidays. So every time someone, if you want to buy again a kit and have the experience again, you're going to experience something different every time. I get inspired by like the seasons of the year, flavors I like, flavors that are popular in Brazil, here in the U.S., and I, I mix them. 
I make a fusion of cultures and then I come up with flavors. And that's why it's different and, and fun because every time you get a, a new kit, you're going to have something different. The thing that really struck me, even at the very beginning, even when Renata was still starting the journey of being a full-time chocolatier, how many people would taste her creations and say, you know, I'm not a big fan of dessert, but this is amazing. And that's really the ultimate test of differentiation. Can people feel it immediately? Do you see their face light up? And that really was the key point for me that this is worth pursuing. Because if you don't have that, you're building your company on shaky ground. And of course, Andre, your experience in the tech sector certainly has helped grow the business as well, helping you market and differentiate. But how did working with clients like Google and Facebook and LinkedIn help you really guide the business to this point? What Google and the large companies here, they, in some sense, I mean, it was them leading us into the business we have now because they told us what they wanted. They told us, hey, we need this. Can you give it to us? And we're like, okay, we'll change what we normally do if you don't want it as a gift and we'll do it this way. And by the way, why do you need it that way? Oh, you do team buildings. I didn't realize that was a thing. Oh, it's a big thing. Oh, okay, well, do you have other team buildings? They taught us what's needed in the market by us just listening to him. And then of course the pandemic taught us something else. So it sounds like the virtual team building experiences revitalized the business. You said earlier that you had tried a couple of different paths. You had somewhat, I guess, competing visions in the beginning about what Renata envisioned for the business versus Andre, what you envisioned, but yet you landed on this virtual team building. And that seems like the direction of your company. And it seems like your niche now. That's right. You know, Andre, we talked a little bit about the marketing and the differentiation here, but one thing that we haven't covered yet is the name. Where does the name Tiny Bee Chocolates come from? So the Brigadeiro is a small truffle and it comes from Brazil. It's called the Brigadeiro. So the letter B stands for Brigadeiro, but it could also stand for Brazil, Tiny Bite of Brazil or a Tiny Truffle Brigadeiro. And they came up with the name, actually, and I approved it. I liked it. And at some point, we even we were questioning, like, do I want to keep this name? It seems like people are not getting it or it's not so easy to pronunciate. And then we mentioned to friends our desire of changing the name. And they said, please don't change the name. We, we love the name. And now people call Brigadero Tiny Bee. Oh, I, I'm craving Tiny Bees. I, I'm going to buy Tiny Bees. It's now the name of Brigadero here. You're making the equivalent of chocolate Xerox or yeah, chocolate you, You've uh, achieved Kleenex. the Kleenex effect. Kleenex. That's a yeah. big yeah. deal. Renata, like you, uh, several of our guests grew up in small business family and each absolutely swore they would never follow the entrepreneurial path. Do you somehow feel like owning a small business was somehow inevitable for you? I think so. When I was a teenager, I was trying to get out of this path. And my family also wanted me to go to college and have a career, be a professional. I followed this path and I did great. I loved it being a nurse. But on, in my heart, something was missing and I didn't know what it was. And I come from a family of entrepreneurs. 
because they didn't have a chance to go to college and to study. So they had to start their own business. And I learned so much from my mom. And I remember telling her when I was like 13, 14, I was giving her like some tips and she never listened to me. And so now I see that I had the entrepreneurship in me since I was a child. And I'm really grateful that I had the experience with my mom, but it seems like now I have my chance to do it my way. And I'm so happy where I am right now. I can't picture myself doing anything else. It sounds like for you, the entrepreneurial lifestyle is a lot like a Brigadero itself. Once you get a little taste, you can't help it. You need more. And uh, yes. that's certainly the situation that we're in. But there's also a really cool symmetry in it. There's this history of Brazilian women making and selling Brigadeiros at political rallies. And here you are, a woman-owned small business that's taken that and leveraged that into your own business. Do you, do you ever stop and just kind of appreciate that for how cool it is? Yeah, yes, I do. And I grew up in a family with lots of very empowered women. And my mom was my, is still my biggest inspiration because she was so strong. She was always very strong and she did it all by herself. She raised three kids. And I, I'm really grateful for being had the opportunity to grow up in a family with such strong women. And I feel like I can do whatever I want because if she could raise three kids with no profession, no education, and she was 19, a country like Brazil, I can do whatever I want to do. And I will only give up if I fail and I will stand up again and do it again. So I'm really grateful for the women that started this path. And I am sure my mom is really proud of all these accomplishments as well. It's been really a joy to watch Renata learn and grow as an artist. And I say artist in many, many different senses. She takes all of the photography, all of the photos. She does all of the photography for the company. We've had probably at least 4,000 photos in the last four years that she's taken. All of them herself. They all look fantastic, super professional. The chocolate has increased in quality steadily. Every quarter, it's better and better. Her ability to come out with new flavors and new product ideas is just accelerating. It's so exciting to see. Like I just keep giving her a hard time and she keeps coming up with great new products. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy for me. So Tiny Bee Chocolate continues to grow. You've added a Brazilian-themed event space to your business. What's next? What's next for Tiny Bee Chocolate? So we are developing kits for kids where they can create their own chocolate. We love collaborations. So we're partnering with other women entrepreneurs. And for example, the next one is with a woman that makes wooden toys, Montessori wooden toys. So we're going to have a kit with chocolate and this wooden toy that's a tray and also a tic-tac-toe. And I'm really excited about this product because I think kids are going to love to play with chocolate and the tray that comes with. And we are also launching the kits for the holidays. Um, do you want to talk about it, Andre? Yeah, I'd love to. Holiday experience. Yeah, so it's amazing. Once you start going down this path, one of the biggest requests we've had is, hey, how can I combine, sure, I can pair sea salt or olive oil with chocolate, but I'd like to kind of put some alcohol in it. 
and maybe some wine or Bailey's or sweet wine. So imagine a chocolate shell that's about an inch, an inch and a quarter diameter, and it's empty inside, but it's hard shell. They are made by Valrona, which is an excellent quality chocolate. You can fill it with wine, and then you wrap this Brigadero chocolate on the outside, and it looks like a normal Brigadero, and you bite into it and pop. You get all the wine and liqueur that comes in your mouth. It is so yummy. Renata tricked me once. She gave it to me and said, okay, try this new flavor of the month. And it wasn't, of course. It was this with liqueur, and it was just, oh, my God. It just like, it stops you dead in your tracks. No matter what you're doing or worried about or rushing to do, you ain't doing that. You're just enjoying that moment. <laughs> so we packaged this holiday kit with these holiday flavors that Renata described. And we have three of these chocolate shells as well as these little pipettes. So a little turkey and, baster for booze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think of it exactly. Mini turkey baster about an inch tall. You put the booze inside. You wrap the chocolate around. And you can suck up a little bit more booze. And you stick it into... Your side of your brigadero as a like an ornament, but that also has booze in it. So after you've taken your brigadero, eaten your brigadero, you can put a little bit more alcohol as well. Andre, so you are speaking to my soul right now. It's <laughs> awesome. It's so much fun. And of course, if you're doing it with friends, like you know, you invite some of your friends over on a Friday night, you can put alcohol. If you're doing it with your kids, you put the alcohol on the side. You don't include that. So it's very flexible, but it just gives another level of play and fun that you can or you, you can, can play with milk chocolate and right. milk for the kids okay that's right okay well i'll say this if my household is any indication i know i've got two little kids at home and they love to get their fingers into chocolate and then usually rub that chocolate all over the walls and then once we get that cleaned up i know that my wife and i generally appreciate having some chocolate ourselves along with a little bit of a nip of something so if our household is any indication your two new ventures will be just as successful as everything that you've built so far but renata and andre stoika from tiny bee chocolate thank you so much for joining us on this episode of back of the napkin thank you for having us it was a pleasure to be here thank you that's it for this episode of Back of the Napkin. If you appreciate hearing stories from small business owners from across the country, please take a moment to share your favorite Back of the Napkin episodes on social media and subscribe to Back of the Napkin wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Back of the Napkin is brought to you by Sure Payroll. From easy online payroll to 401k support and award-winning customer service, Sure Payroll has been serving the payroll and business needs of small businesses for more than 20 years. Learn more at surepayroll.com and get two months free as a new customer. Thanks to my co-host and our executive producer, Karen Stoichoff. And thanks to the head of Sure Payroll Marketing, Jenna Schlaer, as well as our production partners, PodCamp Media where we provide branded podcast production services for businesses. Our editor and producer is Larry Kilgore III. So thanks for tuning in to Back of the Napkin. I'm Dusty Weiss. And I'm Kieran Stoichoff.